Welcome to A Little Forward, a podcast by Freeform. I'm Jenny Yang. I'm April Quio, and we're your hosts. Right. This week, we're talking about money with our new BFF, Ashley C. Ford. Ashley is a writer, host, and most importantly for this week's conversation, an expert on all things financial wellness. We had so much fun talking to her. She's a genius, and we cannot wait for you to hear it. And as always, later in the show, we'll have advice from our personal life coach, Matt Bellisai. But first, you already know what it is. Let's kick things off with Struggle of the Week. And now it's time for Struggle of the Week. And as you know, this week we're talking all about money. So Jenny, what's your struggle this week? Uh, I think I'm slightly addicted to like online shopping. Absolutely. Okay. So I think the struggle for me is let, not that I'm not able to treat myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more that I'm finding myself, especially these days, uh, like cruising through the clothes okay. and shoes right before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, with drunk shopping, groggy shopping could be just as bad. Absolutely detrimental, some could say. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm like kind of groggy. Mm-hmm. I'm somehow numbing the, the bad, evil thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hold it at bay. Okay. So I'm numbing my thoughts by just, you know, imagining myself in a... Another roughly off-the-shoulder dress. <laughs> <laughs> and yet another midi skirt. <laughs> I know. Yes. I need more midi skirts. I agree. Okay. These are sexy ankles. Absolutely. They need to show the world show what's your up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I just, it's not the end of the world, but I do, it's it's sort of like, I think anything, like like food, whatever, like, it's not necessarily that you don't do any of it. Mm. It's like, what is your attitude or behavior or like pattern and like, that's motivating it, right? Exactly. And so I feel like with this situation, the motivation is like to numb myself. Mm-hmm. And so, ugh. I feel you. You oh, know? I've I- been there too. Because sometimes it does feel like a cute sweater is going to solve your problem in the moment. <gasps> exactly. It really does. And it's not. You will look cute, but at what cost? Usually twenty six ninety nine. You know but, what I mean? But like in that moment, right before I go to bed, it's yes. like, you know, I think I embrace the fantasy. Oh, absolutely. I embraced it. We all need a little bit of, you know, relief yes. in real life. Sometimes that's a skirt. Uh, so, I feel you. So I think for me, it's like I need to kind of think about what I'm going to do to replace that yeah. or, you know, not rely on that. Yeah. As much as a habit. I totally get to. Yeah. How about you? How about you? What's your struggle with money? For me, I think my biggest struggle is trying to break a pattern of chronic cheapness. Like, I (gasps) feel like I'm, like, plagued by being cheap in (gasps) in a bad way. (laughs) I think because, like, I grew up with immigrant parents. We really Mm. didn't have a lot. We kind of, like, were really tight. And so now that I'm, like, an adult and living my own life and away from home, I'm trying to break those same patterns of, like, basically having a scarcity mindset yeah but like it's really hard because that's so ingrained in you to be like let me buy the cheapest thing so i can save but then it's like okay then the cheapest thing cracks open and then it falls apart it falls apart in two (laughs) weeks then you have to rebuy it again so it's like training myself to like not buy a rayon sweater like maybe buy a cotton sweater like for 50 dollars instead of 10 you know what i mean yeah those little things can be so hard to break because it's just like it's so ingrained and it's like i don't want to be somebody who feel so scared to like invest in myself that I'm like frozen and I'm just like I feel like I'm selling myself short you know yeah gotta like invest in myself gotta like 
be strategic. That doesn't mean like constantly blowing your budget because you're like, I'm treating myself, I'm worth it. But it just means like, <laughs> okay, we don't need to be like exclusively a dollar store shopper. <laughs> you know totally. what I mean? One side of it is it's like budgeting is important for sure, but also like knowing how to shop with value is important too and I just like did not grow up with any sort of positive relationship with money like no money managing skills just sort of like we're holding on to everything we have like so much of being an immigrant in this country is just like being scared out of your mind and just being yeah. like holding on to stuff so I was sort of raised with that so now I'm at the mall my friends are like I think I'm gonna buy a candle I'm like uh, what <laughs> you're gonna do what <laughs> like, just can't just can't relate so trying to trying to break through that that's my biggest struggle we're both going through it with our struggles it's just ang- it's like anxiety ad- inducing yes. like money stuff oh and then i have that experience where like if i do have a broke face and i'm like six months ago i bought a 17 dollars salad why the hell did i do that <laughs> you know what i mean i don't want to live like that anymore i truly don't we, uh, we need help with our struggles we do we do So before we get into this week's interview, we have a little treat for you. Mm-hmm. We asked some of our freeform friends what their character's biggest struggle is and how they're getting through it. And we're going to sprinkle some of their answers throughout the season. This week, we have Chloe Bailey and Hallie Bailey from Grownish. My name is Hallie. My character's name is Skylar. I'm on the show Grownish, and I think that my character's biggest struggle would be learning how to be independent and find her own and just go for things without her assistance. Hi, I'm Chloe Bailey. I play Jaslyn on Grownish, and I definitely believe Jaslyn's biggest struggle is learning how to balance being strong, but also sweet and soft at the same time. She can be very harsh. Thanks so much to Chloe Bailey and Hallie Bailey for taking the time to share their characters' struggles. Okay, if you haven't already, please check them out on Freeform's Grownish. So good. Now. Time for our interview with Ashley Seaford. Our guest today is Ashley Seaford. There's a C in there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley is a writer and host. Thank you for joining us, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking about money today, mm-hmm. and, and we are so happy that you're here because you've publicly talked a lot about and have been so open about your process for getting your life together, mm-hmm. getting your financial wellness together. Mm-hmm. Gotta do it. So important. Yeah, and I think I, I want to start you know, early because I feel like we learned so many things from our childhood. Like, What was your relationship to money growing up? What, was, what did you learn about what it means to have or not have money growing up? Money was always an elusive thing. Mm. It was this thing that other people had that we were trying to get more of (laughs) as a family all the time. Um, I also learned one of the things my mom (laughs) told me really early was uh, you don't give money to men. (laughs) I don't know why. But when I was um, a kid, I mean, when I was maybe five years old, there was like a group of other kids who were over, some older kids, some younger kids. And I had like, I think I'd earned something like $5 doing something for one of my aunts or uncles or something, or or I'd amassed $5 over time, which sounds more likely. Mm -hmm. And the ice cream truck was coming and we were all going to get ice cream. And there was this boy who didn't have any money to get ice cream. And I went and got money from my drawer so that he could have ice cream too. And my mom was like, 
don't spend money on men. <laughs> and oh. I was like, what? <laughs> because I was probably yeah. like six and I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Um, I think my earliest lessons about money were all scarcity based is mm -hmm. that there aren't enough you know, dollars for everybody. You should keep as many dollars for yourself as possible and otherwise be trying to amass more dollars. Yes. Oh, that, that's so heavy. That's so heavy. And I so don't give I money to that. men. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that may or may not be a word, but I still yeah. <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I so appreciate you describing your family's dynamic with money because that was the same exact experience I had mm -hmm. where yeah. my parents are immigrants I grew up with a single mom and it was it was always like we were scared of spending money because in our heads it would never come back so I wonder how did you go about navigating from your relationship with money as a child to where you are now how did you sort of navigate that transition and was it difficult for you because in my experience it's been so difficult yes. I'm like I'm jealous of people who have a healthy relationship with money because yeah. I cannot buy anything without panicking fully mm. and it's been so hard to try to like break free from that so I'm curious what has your transition been like well one of the things that I've learned over the course of my life and I'm really glad I learned before I was like 50 uh, is that everything is practice. Yeah. Every single thing that you don't think you're good at or couldn't be good at, you could practice and be better at. You might never be the best, but who needs to be the best at everything? Like, come on. <laughs> yes. You know, like, why not just be pretty good at this one thing? Being pretty good can get you really far. So what I had to learn, first of all, was that for a long time, I thought of myself as bad with money. And the truth was, I didn't even have enough money to be bad with money. <laughs> you can this have, big. this is big. Yes. You can, there are times when you don't have enough money to reasonably budget. Mm. And people will tell you, well, you just need to make a budget. You just need to write everything down and it'll be okay. Like, what's there to budget? What is there to budget? Like, if the say. ends don't meet, the ends don't meet. They won't. Yes. Like, there's a such thing as, like, sometimes the ends don't meet because you're not doing what you should be doing sure. and you're not spending the way you should be spending or saving, which is a skill, yeah. a learned skill that yeah. someone needs to be able to teach you. Yes. So if you go your whole life with family members or parents or adult figures or guardians of any kind who can't, who have never had enough money to mm -hmm. budget, mm -hmm. What? how do they teach you how to budget? Absolutely. And what are you learning in school about budgeting? Practically nothing. Yeah. nothing. And when you do, you're learning from the perspective of oftentimes outdated bill numbers mm -hmm. and also outdated salary numbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people aren't making the kind of money that they thought they did. So I had to change my whole idea about what it means to have money, what it means to not have money. And I definitely had to change the idea within myself that because I had never had money, that I was bad with money. Mm. Mm. I had to figure out how to work with my money and mm -hmm. work with what I had. And I'm still figuring that out yeah. all the time, every day. It oh, is hard. You're so absolutely hard. right. It's a process. It's such a process. And I think it's so important that you said that you can't be bad with money if you don't have enough money because there's, yeah. there's always articles where people are like stop buying coffee and you'll be able to go on vacation and it's like if you're a struggling assistant there's no way and first of all you're being underpaid because you're like a woman of color number one number two right. you're like at the beginning of your career and you don't have any money it, I haven't I'm not buying coffee right that's not the problem it's not you know what problem. I mean so that is really I think an important way to sort of change the framework about how people think about money and it also allows you to have some grace for yourself if you are yes, in that position because sure. it's easy to beat yourself 
yourself up and if you get your taxes and you make $17,000 like it's the coffee is not the problem honey. it's not the problem <laughs> it's, it's not. not the problem and you have and that grace with yourself is so so important yes. so much of what scares us because we feel like we can't gather that skill or we can't ex express that skill in the world to the level that we want to so many of those things the biggest block is that we won't forgive ourselves mm. or give ourselves enough room to get away from whatever disappointment we had about yesterday mm -hmm. so that we could do what we need to do today i would yeah. sit down to do a budget I would sit down to talk to somebody about my money, to ask for help with what I was doing. And I realized that inside, inside the things that I was telling myself, you're so stupid oh, for no. ending up in this position. You are like, how could you do that? Like, why do you need somebody to help you? Mm -hmm. Other people don't need anybody to help them with their money. Why do you need that? I was sitting there having such horrid conversations with myself about myself that I couldn't even hear the person telling me what I needed to do. Yeah. And even as I heard them, I couldn't like absorb it I couldn't put it into play in my life because the anxiety was all around even getting started yeah because mm -hmm. you're because you're in, you've internalized you've internalized all that you're, this muck and you're blaming yourself for the yes. state that you're in you're already going to fail that's what you're saying in your mind See? I'm never going to have this I'm never going to be able to do this I'm never going to be able to have that I'm never going to be able to feel free of this feeling of overwhelming financial pressure like you tell yourself that so how can you even begin to be motivated to practice a different outcome? Yeah, I feel like so much about thinking about your relationship with money is number one, accepting that there is a relationship with money. I didn't even realize that until I got to college, you know, that, that we have a whole separate dynamic with money, with finances that is that we, that merits our paying attention to. Like the way we have a relationship with your sister or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, that, that we have that with money, number one. And number two, I think there is, um, I think with all other kind of like issues and ways that we could have need to manage our lives, I feel like it's so important not to blame ourselves because uh, because truthfully, of course, there's skills that we should learn to adapt. Yes. But the reality is, is we live in a system and a context, okay, that is unequal, that mm -hmm. is unfair. And mm -hmm. so sometimes the very reason why you're not doing well can be because of these bigger dynamics. Yep. Like Public systemic. policies, systemic issues. You know yes. what I mean? And so I'm only recently have we publicly started to talk about the income inequality between yes. men and women and women of color and, and white folks, you know? Yes. And so I feel like that's that is a, a little bit of, of solace, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, to not blame ourselves for all the all the bullshit that we've had to go through to right. kind of like get ourselves just to like be clear and not blame ourselves and just be be open so that we can just address the issues in our lives that has to do with finances you know what i'm saying yeah it's so important because honestly it's in capitalism's best interest for us to think this is a personal failing yes and that's not to blame true. ourselves that's a lie it's a big lie a and myth. the people who want you to not talk about money, the people who still insist that it's rude, the people who still try to find a way to get you to blame yourself, those are all people who benefit from you not understanding the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. They benefit from you believing 
that not getting a raise, not being paid fairly, not being paid equitably, yeah. um, not being paid on time, like all of those things, they want you to think that in some way, if you only gave them more, mm-hmm. you could get what you should just expect yeah. as a base level. And people think you have to earn basic decency. So I'm going to be honest. The more money I've made, the less I've actually had to do. <gasps> Truth. And that is a bubble. That's a bubble burster. That is a bubble burster. Because when you had less money, what did you have to do? Everything. Hustle what? constantly. Everything. Suffering. I mean, hustle constantly. <laughs> yeah. Suffering. Uh, multiple jobs at once. Uh, doing what, you know, we call robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yep. Yep. You know, you got to sit back and think, okay, this bill can wait. Mm-hmm. But this bill can't. And if I can pay this bill before the late fee hits, right. then I've got this grace period. You got to sit down and basically like people act like poor people don't understand strategy. Any poor person <laughs> who is surviving <laughs> would whoop your ass in strategy. Oh, yeah. And the only reason that they wouldn't is because you would hire somebody to come in and play the game for you. For sure. Like that's it. That's the only reason. You would hire five people to play against this one person who could out-strategize you in a moment because you have to be a strategical master to survive poverty. Exactly. Yeah. It's so true. Oh, it's, it's so true. real. Okay, so I loved the way that you framed getting better at this is sort of like building a skill, like building mm-hmm. a muscle. So now I'm wondering, now that your muscle's a little bit stronger from experience, how do you define financial wellness? Like what does that look like to you when someone is quote unquote doing it right, basically? To me, financial wellness looks like an understanding of what you have to work with. So really understanding what your resources are, working, doing work to me, that provides equitable recompense for your labor. Mm. Like that is really important, very, very important. Um, I think one of the biggest parts of financial wellness, like the biggest thing is, are your bills paid? Yeah. And did you not have to trade your dignity for it? I've never thought of that. That's that's part of it, yeah. And so what does that look like to you? Cause to I, me, I, I, the, the moment you said that, it conjured up all these different images, but what does that mean to you? It means working in places that I believe see me as a full human. Yeah. And when places don't see me as a full human, we have conversations. I'm not a person to really just cut things off at the past. We'll talk, but if I don't feel heard and if things don't change, I walk. Mm. Now, I'm a freelancer. In general, I like to say like I'm self-employed. I work for myself or whatever. I'm a freelancer. There are, I think of every single company or organization or anybody that I work with, consultation project, all of that, all of those people are my clients, right? And in a client relationship, I should feel respected. They should feel respected. Mm -hmm. And we should both feel like each person is bringing the best of themselves to this project that we're working on. I believe that. The problems come in a lot of cases when the person who is paying believes that by paying you, they're doing you a favor. Mm. That is the worst feeling. It is the worst feeling in the world, yes. And so a lot of dignity for me 
is about working with companies, organizations, whomever, that understand that we are both bringing value to the table, that this is an exchange. Right. This is a transaction. This is a, a collaboration. Mm-hmm. You are not doing me a favor. Mm-hmm. Okay? We are working together. This might not be something that I'm, you know, the part that you're doing might not be something I'm necessarily good at or that I have a lot of interaction with. And I would never walk into a situation and tell somebody, I'm not, I could do that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But understand, especially for me at yeah. this point in my life, I have options. Yeah. Yes. I have things I can do. I have places I can go. I got people emailing me, calling yes. me, wanting reaching things. out, wanting things. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I don't say no. that, you know, to be like, you know, you you better get it any way you can get it. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not like that. I'm a professional. And I bring my professional self to these situations. And I am practicing bringing my whole self to these situations because for a long time I didn't because I knew I wasn't respected on the other end. Right. Like it was really, really hard to go to a job, to go to work of any kind and give it all of yourself knowing that all of yourself won't be respected in that space. I really appreciate this. I know because you know what? The idea of dignity, we don't talk enough about that. You know, I think we could go out there. I mean, number one, this podcast, this episode, we're not... We're not like a financial advisor, right? right? So mm-hmm. you, y'all could go out there right now and get some books, and they'll tell you about credit card fees. They'll tell yes. you about paying down your debt. Right. We're not here for, to do that. What I love is that we were talking about dignity. My mom is a monolingual garment worker who sewed, you know, yeah, freaking um, collars mm-hmm. for two cents a piece. I would help her flip them inside and out at home with like chopsticks, you know. Wow. And and there was something about not not only. I respect that as as work, as the value of the work in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But there's something sad about the kind of experience she had and the disempowerment that she felt. And I think, so for me to, to learn about the word dignity in the context of work mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. very powerful. And so I'm so glad you brought that up. In the end, it's this really um, powerful, beautiful feeling concept that's actually rooted in how we're treated yes. and the power dynamics that are set up in our relationships as employees or as contractors. Yes. It, that is called dignity. Yes. Absolutely. You know and what that, I mean? Like, that's it, so that's, important. We don't, we don't talk about that. Yes. We don't. And it's, we don't. Uh, it's also important to note that I think this is something that comes with privilege, like mm. being able yeah. to be discerning that I never even had really critically thought about. Like I recently had a conversation with my manager for work and she was saying, well, now that you're in a position where you do have more options because you are seen as a professional, you need to be very particular about the jobs that you take like you Mm -hmm. now you have the ability to be choosy and I want you to be in positions and environments where you're going to be respected and treated with respect and this was totally mind-blowing to me because I've always just like taken any job been whoever's assistant worked on whoever's show been the only black person in every writer's room like and just taken it and now I'm in a position where she's like no because we want you to have dignity in your career and because you're seen for your value if you don't want to be the only black person on a show like you don't have to be and it's just kind of like what? <laughs> Never heard that. But that's real. Yes. That's real. I just feel like, you know, I, I say this a lot to people, you know, that like upward, what we call upward class transition. Yeah. So, should make everybody radical. Mm. Like Ooh. when you experience it, it should make you radical. Why? Because, how so? What do you mean? Because I think when you truly understand the difference, how small that amount of money is to go from not enough to enough yeah not 
abundance, not yeah. luxury, Mm-mm. just from not enough to enough. Just everything's covered. Just everything's covered. Yes. When you think about how much money that really is, you know, like when I think about the fact that my mom, when I went to college, and I've told this before, but when I went to college um, and I had to do my FAFSA by myself, my mom didn't know what to do it, didn't know how to help me. Same. You know what I mean? So me I had too. to sit down and figure yep. it out. That's triggering, that word FAFSA. FAFSA. It's <laughs> really <laughs> triggering. FAFSA.gov. <laughs> triggering. You know, super triggering. But Uncle FAFSA. Uncle FAFSA <laughs> is the worst. Don't do that. He's the worst. I got Whoa. some money for you right here. And you're like, oh, feelings. for real? <laughs> and you go get some, and then he want it back. He but anyway, um, <laughs> but, but when I sat down <laughs> to do the FAFSA, it was the first time I saw my mom's salary, yep. mm. like written Me too. down Me too. ever. Wow. It was the first time I saw her salary, and I and I knew that my mom that year had made more money than she ever had in any other year like of our life. She made more money this year than any other year of our life. And my mom, and I'm the oldest of four kids. Mm. So you got to understand, I'm filling out the FAFSA to go to college, but that still means three kids are going to be at home. Mm-hmm. Wow. My mom that year made $36,000. Wow. $36,000. And I think about a brand not too long ago paid me to do a speaking engagement, a hosting thing. They flew me out, whatever. And they paid me to do, to host a panel, a conversation actually, moderate, not even to like host, Mm. to moderate a conversation for about 40 minutes, $15,000. And when I think about what (laughs) $15,000 would have done. You're gonna make me cry. But you gotta think about these things. That's so deep. It's important to think about these things and not never forget the weight of those dollars. No matter how many you make, you can't forget the weight of those dollars. Because when you start forgetting the weight of those dollars, you start separating yourself from those who have less. Yep. And even Damn. if I want to live better. Oh, I got you. Woo. No, but that's so that's yeah. so real though. It's real. It's real. Even if you want to live better, you want to do other things, that is fine. You have to enjoy your life. Enjoying your life is important. Joy is part of resistance. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. You got to go out there and you got to do it. But you can't forget. You cannot forget even if you choose to take it for granted in the moment which can be <laughs> lovely mm-hmm. and pleasurable to choose to take something for granted in the moment you don't forget yeah and you can't forget because that's how we end up leaving people behind yeah that's how we forget that's how we end up walking over people in the street and thinking that they must have made a decision that you would never make mm. instead of they made probably the exact same decisions that you've made and they've had different consequences and it's been different circumstances i'm having a moment here i'm having a moment you know why because you know that is so real because you know i i do think about learning about money in that way where my mom would always think twice about spending Mm -hmm. you know 15 dollars at target for a t-shirt because she'll be like i probably made that that's not good quality no let's spend it on this other thing and that's a valuable lesson yes okay Let's spend the money on quality thing. But to put into perspective, right, uh, that we are able to play around with a number of dollars that was something that 
my parents had to work so hard for yeah. mm-hmm. growing up. What what I feel challenged by, and this is something I struggled in college, I don't know if you, you felt this way. It was, you know, once you started to kind of be responsible for your own money, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in high school or college, it depends on what your life situation was. Mm-hmm. I always str- struggled with that balance between I want to know where I came from. I want to know that value of the dollar. $5 is a lot. My mom could feed us for a bit, you know, oh, yeah. three kids with $5. Yeah. Versus, but also maybe I will spend that $5 for something that's valuable for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's this, yes. both this combination of like knowing where you're from, you know, having that radical mindset of, yes. of, of, being connected still to where you came from and yes. the value of that dollar in the context of your life, but also knowing your worth yes. and yes. knowing your value. See, that to me, holding those two things together is what's the tension oh, for absolutely. me. That's what's tough. If you're a first generation college goer, if you're yes. a whatever, you know what I mean? Yes. That, Can I tell you what helps me? Okay, tell me. <gasps> tell me everything. Tell me, what. let me tell you what While helps me. While I wipe me. these little baby tears. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm so sure, I'm just it's a dead so inside Aries, but no. I- <laughs> Crying on the inside. To be fair, I'm a Capricorn. And so I'm like, I'm not crying. I'm a Scorpio. Must we reinforce stereotypes? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I so so share the emotional breakdown. Just because honestly, I feel sometimes haunted by growing up in poverty. I do. It's both. So how do you do both? How do you navigate knowing your worth and knowing where you came from? Okay, so the way... you, You guys might not know this about me, but a lot of people do know this about me. I'm a huge, huge, huge superhero fan oh i know i mean i'm an ashley seaford stan i'm like (laughs) acting like i'm not having a panic attack right now so trust me i know okay well (laughs) tell us about it let me tell you more about this okay Okay. one of the things that i started thinking about um because i had a a very young obsession with superheroes um that has not gone away okay (laughs) i thought eventually i would grow out of it and i haven't (laughs) and one of the things i started thinking about one day is that a lot first of all poverty is traumatic Absolutely. (laughs) We are all trauma survivors. Poverty is traumatic. And superheroes are about extremes. Every superhero has a power. Yeah. And then they've got a shadow side. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So for a very long time, I thought of my ability to make do with very little Mm. as a superpower. Wow. Mm. Because I knew that if I was left with $5, I could feed myself for a week. Yeah. I knew, And I knew that there were people who couldn't do that. Yeah. I knew that there were people who, if they had $5 and had to eat, wouldn't know what to do. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not that person. Yeah. Yes. Right? I have this superpower. And I used to tell people all the time, you know, they would be like, you know, Ashley kind of reckless, you know, about certain things. And I would be like, I can be reckless because I know how to be poor. Mm. I don't have to stay Ooh. at this job because I know how to be poor. Wow. I don't have to do any of these things because I know how to be poor. And what I didn't understand at the time was that while I was thinking of this as purely a superpower, I wasn't thinking about the shadow side of that superpower. <gasps> and the shadow side is you start to be scared of wanting and of your own desire. But what I've learned is that we are not superheroes. We're humans. And humans need, need, need to be in both parts of that 
They need to live in both parts. You just can't live on the superhero end of that trauma. You just can't turn all of those reactions to your trauma into superpowers. You have to be able to see the shadow side. You have to know that, okay, I know that if I needed to, I could scale back. And I feel good about that. But right now we're going to live in reality. And reality is I can order all this fruit in my house. And if it goes bad... I can figure that out. <laughs> the fruit is big. The fruit Crystal is big. Crystal was talking about this recently on Instagram. I don't know if you saw Crystal West from The Read. But she was talking about how, number one, she used to buy fruit and just eat it immediately because she was used to, like, in cheaper grocery stores, buying food that was almost rotten. Yeah. And so now she yeah. buys food from a major grocery store brand <laughs> she buys groceries and it doesn't go bad because it's yes. not ripe yet but right. it's like in my head if a banana goes bad it's a failing it's a because failing because it costs 19 cents and I know yes. that from growing yes. up in poverty I am I'll be honest <laughs> TBH I am reeling right now from your um, superhero analogy and the shadow side because I don't think I've had the language to encapsulate what that tension has been and that's really helpful I feel like we learned a lot Oh, oh good. So, <laughs> Ashley, where can people find you and your work, and how can we support you? I would say the best way to find me would be on my website, ashleyc4.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Smash Fizzle and on Twitter as I Smash Fizzle. Yes. Oh, and I host a show for BuzzFeed called Profile. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you. you so much Ashley. for having me. I adore you both. Let's be real life friends. Let's be yes. friends. Let's Are talk about money me? together. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about shopping. Let's talk let's about shopping. Let's definitely talk about we shopping. We need to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a chat. Yes. All right, I'm done. in my shopping mode. Thank you so much. Yay. Shout out to Ashley for being so open about her thoughts, about money, and everything that comes with it. She's the best. I'm obsessed with her. I'm so <laughs> glad we got to have that conversation. So now you might be wondering, how on earth do I tell my friends I'm trying to save and get my money right? When I miss out on everything? Well, our resident life coach, Matt Bellisai, has some advice for you. This is Matt Bellisai, and I'm here to help you get your life together. We've been getting questions about our topics each week, and I'm going to choose the best question and answer it and give some advice and hopefully help you out. This week's question is from Stephanie. My New Year's resolution was to be more fiscally responsible, but some of my friends who have more disposable income make it hard for me. I've really struggled with when to say no and how to suggest cheaper alternatives. How do you navigate saving money without giving up quality time with my friends or experiencing FOMO? All right. So, yes, first of all, shit is expensive out here. A box of cereal is like $8, which means someone with a particular habit of not naming names is spending like $80 a day on cereal. And that's not even accounting the amount of milk I need to sustain my cereal habit. But for real, I totally get you. Going out and being social can seem super expensive. So a few things. One, it's the totally mature and responsible thing to want to be more fiscally responsible. You shouldn't back down. Save your coins. Build that bank account. Two, I think it's important to be clear with your friends that you're you're really trying to save money. I think that's totally cool. 
Honestly, there are so many things you can do that don't cost money or a whole lot of money. Go to the beach, go to a park, start a book club if reading is your thing. Even if it's not, some books have pictures in them. Go to a museum. A lot of museums in your cities are free or they're donation only and you can give just a little bit or nothing if that's your thing. Do puzzles. Puzzles are back in, okay? I don't know if they ever left, but they're back in. I'm declaring it. And those are just some of your options. So I hope that helped. And if it didn't, then don't follow my advice. Nobody is forcing you to. I'm Matt Bellasine. You can catch me on my podcast, Unhappy Hour, that comes out every Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning in, y'all. We did it again. I know. Oh, we got so smart on this episode. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so much wiser. Wow. We went off. We did. So this is your time. Share your thoughts about the show on social media with the hashtag a little forward. And as you know, every week we're going to give you a little insider code for those of you who made it through the credits. Tweet us your answer to our weekly question with the hashtag a little forward. We'll be watching April. What's our question of the week? Okay, so this week's question. If you had a billion dollars, post a pic of what you'd buy with the hashtag a little forward. I want to see pics. Pussing the rock would not be appropriate, huh? Probably not. I can't buy a person. That's not nice. That's illegal. That is highly incorrect. Is that a word? No. (laughs) (laughs) And while you're posting, you might as well follow us on Twitter too, right? Follow Freeform on Twitter at Freeform TV. Follow us at Jenny Yang TV. That's J-E-N-N-Y-Y-A-N-G-T-V. And April K. Quio. That's Q-U-I-O-H. Tell your friends about the show. Make sure to rate and subscribe to A Little Forward on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This show is a collaboration between Freeform and Pineapple Street Media. Executive produced by Sasha Kai Parker, Kasime Bernard, Maddie Sprung-Kaiser, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Max Linsky. Produced by Agarenish Ashagre and Josh Gwynn with editing help from Jess Jupiter. This wouldn't be possible without our team, so shout out to them. Our music is by Brandon Cadell. And that's our show. We will see you next week. And remember, don't spend money on men. Bye. Bye.